Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Puerto Rico's high vaccination rates help minimize hospitalizations amid surge. Cuba speeds up COVID-19 vaccine booster drive. Guyana government discards bids received for gas-to-shore project. Jamaica Labor Ministry urges greater take-up of social pension program. And one-month tax-free salary for Guyana police, soldiers, firefighters, and prison workers. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Thursday, December 23rd. We start a report today in Puerto Rico. NBC News reports that two months ago, Puerto Rico led all states and U.S. territories in COVID-19 prevention and vaccination rates among adults and children. Now, with the rise of the Omicron variant, Puerto Rico remains among the top three U.S. jurisdictions alongside Vermont and Guam with the highest rates of COVID-19 vaccination, according to NBC News vaccination tracker. In large part, high vaccination rates have prevented Puerto Rico's already fragile healthcare system from collapsing during the coronavirus pandemic so far, but it remains unclear if it will also better position the island's 3.2 million residents to combat the Omicron variant. Since Puerto Rico's first case of the Omicron variant was confirmed Monday, the U.S. territory has experienced a spike in overall COVID cases. Puerto Rico reached positivity rate of nearly 16.5% on Wednesday, a rate seven times higher than in the last two weeks, according to the local health department. At least 926 new confirmed cases of coronavirus cases were reported in Puerto Rico on Wednesday, adding to more than 162,000 confirmed cases that have been reported since the start of the pandemic. But hospitalizations have remained low in Puerto Rico at a time when hospitals in almost half the states in the mainland are on average experiencing high stress levels, according to an NBC News analysis of data from the Department of Health and Human Services. No COVID deaths have occurred since Omicron was detected in Puerto Rico, but the virus has killed at least 3,287 people on the island since the pandemic began. We are being cautious with those numbers because it's still early in the increase of cases, said Danielle Colon Ramos, a professor of cellular neuroscience at Yale University and president of Puerto Rico's Scientific Coalition, advising Governor Pedro Perlusi on the island's COVID response. While the vaccines are very efficient at protecting people from infections, hospitalization and deaths, their efficacy decreases with time, Cologne Ramos said. And the first thing that gives in is the protection against infections. For this reason, getting the COVID-19 booster shot is absolutely essential to protect against new infections, he added. As of Wednesday, at least 2.4 million people in Puerto Rico, 79.5% have been fully vaccinated, according to the local health department, but only 628,649 Puerto Ricans have gotten their COVID booster shots. Another way of saying this is that if you have two doses of the vaccine and you haven't boosted, then your protection against an infection by Omicron is less because Omicron has dozens of mutations in the protein that is normally recognized by the antibodies that emerge from the vaccine, Cologne Ramos said. Because of this, Puerto Rico has become one of the first jurisdictions along with California and New Mexico 
Mexico to require health care workers to get booster shots. In Puerto Rico's case, they're also requiring teachers and other school personnel to get boosted by January 15. Per Lucy has issued a series of executive orders to combat the rise of the Omicron variant during the holiday season. Travelers going to Puerto Rico on domestic flights must bring a negative COVID test process at least 48 hours before arrival, regardless of their vaccination status. People attending mass attendance events must be fully vaccinated and present a negative COVID test 48 hours or less before attending the event. This will also be required for those attending events that promote the agglomeration of people, including theaters, amphitheaters, stadiums, coliseums, and convention centers, among other venues. Also, starting on Monday, only people who are fully vaccinated will be allowed inside food and beverage establishments in Puerto Rico. HaitiNews.net via Shinua News reports that the Cuban government has sped up the pace of national COVID-19 vaccine booster rollout in the face of the Omicron variant of the virus, local media reported on Wednesday. In the coming weeks, the Cuban biopharmaceutical industry plans to deliver 6 million doses of Abdallah and Soberana COVID-19 vaccines to the Cuban Ministry of Public Health, said Eduardo Martinez, president of the state-run biotech company BioCuba Pharma. Before the end of January 2022, the country of 11.2 million residents expects to produce all the booster vaccine shots required to be administered to its population. The Caribbean nation launched its mass vaccination campaign against COVID-19 in May in Havana. According to the health ministry so far, more than 99 percent of Cuban nationals have received at least one dose of homegrown vaccines and over 84% of Cubans have been fully jabbed against COVID-19. Cuba registered 80 new cases of the coronavirus and one more related death in the past 24 hours, bringing the national total count to 964,317 and 8,317 respectively. Crider News reports that the Guyana government has not only discarded the first set of proposals it received in September this year for aspects of the Gas to Shore initiative, but also has completed redesign the scope of the works to now instead build an integrated gas-fired power generation plant in addition to the natural gas liquids factory. Esso Exploration and Production Guyana Limited, ExxonMobil Guyana, at the time had also pre-qualified firms for the natural gas liquid plants, a process now scrapped and will have to be restarted. The revised scope of works, according to the new publication by the Ministry of Natural Resources for Guyana, is requesting proposals from firms to be pre-qualified. The revised scope of work, according to the new publication by the Ministry of Natural Resources, said the rationale for the combination of the power plant and natural gas liquid facilities is guided by the findings of Esso Exploration and Production Guyana Limited that there will be substantial savings from combining these two facilities. 
Government through the ministry explained that as part of the gas to energy project, it has elected after extensive evaluation of technical and execution factors with Esso Exploration and Production Guyana Limited, ExxonMobil Guyana, to have two facilities be designed and constructed together. As such, the ministry has re-invited interested parties to be pre-qualified to engineer, procure, and construct the two integrated facilities. Under the revised scope of works, the government said it intends to build combined cycle turbines, multiple fuel consumption, natural gas liquid power plant generating up to 300 megawatts of power with a net of 250 megawatts delivered into the Guyana power and light grid at a substation located on the east bank of Demerara. Additionally, the project will include 230 kilovolt substation and a backup fuel facility. As it related to the natural gas liquid plant, this is expected under the revised scope of work to be able to process 60 million cubic feet of natural gas per day in the first phase and up to 250 million cubic feet of gas in the second phase. Additionally, the plant must be capable of conditioning the gas and removing heavier hydrocarbons in liquid forms. The project, according to the ministry, will be located at Hermitage, identified as part of Wales Development Zone, with some 150 acres of land allocated for its purpose. With regards to the financial aspect of the project, the only reference indicated by the ministry is that submissions should contain the bidder's financial ability to undertake its commitments, namely the engineer, procure, and construction of the two integrated facilities. Jamaica Information Service reports that the Ministry of Labor and Social Security is appealing for more senior citizens to apply for benefits under the government's social pension program. Launched in July of this year, the $800 million program provides a guaranteed income for vulnerable persons 75 years and older. Seniors targeted are those not currently in receipt of a pension, disability benefit, or other retirement benefit, cash grant from the Program of Advancement through Health and Education or Poor Relief Program, and who do not reside in a government institutional care facility. Speaking with Jamaica Information Service News, Permanent Secretary in the Ministry of Labor and Social Security, Colette Roberts Riston said that we are undersubscribe so we have space for persons to come on the social program. We are encouraging our elderly persons out there who are not on the path or not in receipt of a national insurance pension and are over age 75 to come in and apply for the new benefit. It is for you, she urged. We expect to continue the expansion of the social pension program. We launched that program over the summer, and it is still fairly new. There is lots more space for persons to access the program, she added. Ms. Roberts Risden was speaking with the Jamaica Information Service News during the launch of the COVID-19 cash assistance program on Tuesday. St. Lucia Time reports via CMC that 
Guyana's President Irfan Ali on Wednesday announced a one-month tax-free salary for all members of the Joint Services less than 24 hours after he announced a two-week tax-free bonus for all health care workers as it praised them for their service to the country during the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic. President Ali, who made the announcement during the Guyana Defense Force annual Christmas lunch, said the tax-free salary is in addition to the 7% salary increase announced earlier this month and paid along with the December salaries. The Joint Services comprises of Guyana's Defense Force, the Guyana Police Force, the Guyana Prison Service, and the Guyana Fire Service. Last year, the Joint Service received a two-week tax-free bonus from the government. President Ali also gave no other details, including the total sum of this latest payout or the number of military personnel who will benefit from the tax-free salary. On Tuesday, Ali said the two-week tax-free bonus to healthcare workers would result in approximately 612 million Guyana dollars being dished out to an estimated 9,200 healthcare workers and complements the 7% retroactive bonus they had already received this month. The 7% salary increase to 50,000 public servants will cost the country an estimated 10.5 million Guyana dollars. And finally, Dialogo reports that the U.S. government, through the U.S. Southern Command Humanitarian Assistance Program, donated four mobile hospitals for emergency and natural disasters to Antigua and Barbuda and to St. Vincent and the Grenadines. On November 18, 2021, U.S. Ambassador to the Eastern Caribbean handed over two of the hospitals valued at more than $1.3 million to the Prime Minister of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Ralph Gonzalez, to help ministry indicated. This donation marks yet another step in our shared journey as we work together to end the pandemic and the volcanic eruption recovery, the ambassador stated. USAID leads the U.S. government's response efforts to support Caribbean countries in the event of natural disasters. On November 11, the ambassador also handed over two hospitals to Prime Minister of Antigua and Barbuda Gaston Brown at the Defense Force headquarters in Camp Blizzard. The hospital valued at more than $1.3 million will have the capacity to assist 80 patients, the U.S. Embassy said. These facilities can withstand winds of up to 105 miles per hour, the Antigua newspaper Observer reported. The units are equipped with air conditioning, folding beds, fans, and oxygen and power generators. Personnel can assemble them quickly for an emergency and severe virus outbreaks to catastrophic hurricanes, the newspaper added. According to the Observer, Prime Minister Brown said the hospital will be used on the sister island of Barbuda, where residents have long lamented the lack of medical facilities. U.S. assistance to Antigua and Barbuda and to St. Vincent and the Grenadines flows mainly through multilateral agencies, such as the World Bank and the Caribbean Development Bank, and through the U.S. Agency for International Development, USAID. The U.S. State Department indicated on 
on its website. In April 2021, USAID provided $4.7 million to support St. Vincent in the aftermath of the La Safri volcanic eruption, the U.S. Embassy stated. The eruption covered the island of St. Vincent in ashes, polluting air and water sources. Some 20,000 people were evacuated. USAID will work over the next five years with Caribbean governments to increase community resilience in the face of natural disasters and promote a safe, prosperous region that supports vulnerable populations. Guyana's Straybook News reported. To achieve these goals, USAID joined forces with the Caribbean community CARICOM through the Regional Development Corporation strategy launched in September 2021. The U.S. Embassy indicated Antigua and Barbuda and St. Vincent and the Grenadines will benefit from this partnership. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Thursday, December 23rd. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, now Meta.